0: Prepared to hear the truth from a real whistleblower, an American patriot. Here's civil liberties enthusiast, Second Amendment defender, and indefinitely suspended FBI
1: agent, Kyle Serafin. Okay. Uh, Hey, hey my friends. Uh, Welcome to our first live stream. If it goes live, otherwise it's our first dead on arrival stream, in which case we will rebroadcast this later. So I've got uh, Real Steve Friend, also known as Just Steve Friend, Uh, He put his handle down there, so when he speaks, we'll be able to add him. If you guys don't follow him on Truth right now, go ahead and uh, add him to your list. He has some good snarky comments, and he's got great insight about what goes on in the FBI. And I've got uh, producer Phil who told me that his life aspiration is to produce podcasts for me, which is very funny. We've been talking about this for probably like the better part of half a decade. Uh, Phil is a former FBI agent and will be uh, hopefully maintaining this live stream. But if he fails, it's 100% on him. Luckily, he has all of the skill set that I don't have and has done a bunch of this. So um, anyway, welcome, Steve. Thanks for jumping on. Phil, thanks for hosting this thing for us and trying to figure it out. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. What is up? So um, so I wanted to just kind of riff with you a little bit because we're going to talk about our buddy Garrett. And we'll and I think he's going to be public at some point. But I'll just say what his first name is and people can, um, can look for him coming. But uh, Garrett's situation is uh, kind of coming to stark relief this week. And I think you and I kind of have been through that. So what do you, um, you know, what do you, what do you see this, this end game for the FBI at this point? Like what, <laughs> how do they get out of this thing without just melting
2: down? I think that there's a lot of them that are already KMA. They are ready. Know that, you know, their time's up. And if, uh, you know, if if, if that retirement gig job gets offered to them, then they're going to be just pop and smoke real quick, as you can see with, uh, Dan Tuano. Um, yeah. So, so KMA being uh,
1: kiss my ass, kind of a inside, uh, FBI status. It's once you hit what, 20 years, Phil, does that sound right? Yep, 20 and 50. 20 and 50. So, uh, for folks that don't know, if you are 50 years old and have 20 years of service, you can retire from the FBI with your full pension and you can add to that as long as you are under the age of the mandatory age, which is 57. Um, so, KMA is kind of an unofficial status, but I, I worked with a lot of guys when I was on the surveillance team that were KMA. Some of them uh also known as retired-in-place, which is uh, another sort of sad status that you get. It's not the way that many people think of FBI agents, uh, but it's something that we kind of see in the offices. Did you guys have uh, any retired-in-place dudes when you were in um, in Florida? Uh,
2: in Florida, no. i actually say one of the most senior agents that was down here, but uh, in my last duty post, I was there was guys that were retired. Like from the moment I walked in there, my training agent was retired. Right. uh, And he would just, I I think on any given month, I would see him for a good 15 to 20 minutes at the office and uh, spend the rest of his time, like coaching little league baseball or something. And, uh, and there was the guy who took over as my training agent and they had to like clean up the fingernails on the floor when they dragged him out after his final extension, because he was just holding on, but he loved it. He was a good dude. Uh, yeah. but actually Omaha division had a ton of 20 year folks. Cause they were all part of that nine 11 hiring surge Yeah. and had come back to their, they're all like Midwest people. And then, uh, there, it was just, it was known. It was like, we are going to have a 50% turnover in like the next two to three years or as I was leaving. So they're, they're going to be hurting for bodies. They're going to have a lot of new folks that are coming out of the academy. They can't, uh, pass a fit test.
1: Well the sad thing about yeah the fit test thing we'll get into that in a second here. The the sad thing that that it kind of when you don't have any of that institutional knowledge past then you you don't get people that throw the brakes or put the you know the BS flag up when something like what happened to to Garrett or happens to you or me um or even the abuse of some of the the abilities that people have on their like their cases it's like they don't have the experience. So we we can talk about the the photo that I posted earlier this week. Um, yep. it was yesterday or the day before, but it, like, they don't know better, you know, they just don't know better. Cause there's just, doesn't give them any, any excuse in my book, but there's nobody else there with any seniority, I guess that just, that that <laughs> could just say, stop, <laughs> like, take it, the, stop moving. <laughs> just stop what you're doing. Stop you're making moving. it
2: complicated. <laughs> yes. You're making things complicated. You're not taking into a factor like the wind conditions and the barometric pressure. And, That's right. The humidity, um, <laughs> but the, uh. It was one of the things I was actually reflecting on because I just did a podcast um, with the Mill Creek View, Tennessee podcast, and they were asking me about that. And I said, Well, like, look, if, even if you give everybody the benefit of the doubt on anything January 6th related, and let's just say there's no nefarious actors, I think just a lot of those folks maybe have been in national security their whole career. Yep. You know, they might be new. They just don't know that like what they're doing will uh, get them destroyed at trial, they just don't have the
0: wraps.
1: Yep. So that's, I mean, that's that's true at WFO too, because they they moved a lot of people straight off the national security side to do January sixth stuff. Mm -hmm. And I know Phil saw that too. It was just like we saw people get pulled in that had probably not done any criminal work. And obviously, like like, at that point, I didn't have any criminal experience either. But I got a lot of common sense, (laughs) and I watched a lot of CSI, you know, and I've definitely seen like ton of Law and Order. So I was pretty much. Like anybody who's seen every episode of law and order pretty much knows yeah. what an Academy graduate from the FBI knows about. about
2: <laughs> criminal. <laughs> yes. I, I mean, and if they're older, it was NYPD blue and they'd just be roughing people up like Andy Sipowicz. Yeah. Just hit them with a phone book or whatever. <laughs> and just getting that confession.
1: <laughs> no, it's terrible. So you said something earlier about the fingernails off the floor and I had this horrible visual. I got to share the story. So um, when I was on the uh, SOG, so surveillance team, Folks who don't know it, it's kind of it was kind of like a, a broken toys thing. I I talked about it on Bongino's podcast a little bit, but it's not a prestigious gig. Although it it's the most fun that you can have in the FBI, I think. Um, so you get a chance to go out and get up close and personal with like everybody's subjects. You're not running any paperwork. You're just taking photos and like watching bad guys and seeing weird stuff and, you know, on the radio and working with locals and th- all the fun stuff that I would really enjoy doing. So it has the potential to be in the most fun, but for whatever reason, like a lot of guys that, uh, wanted to just kind of quit on the job and just kind of ride out their days. There's a lot of mistrust, I would say in, in that, that group. So we had this guy and he'd been on SOG like his whole life. I don't want to say his name, but, uh, it's Jimmy. And so, (laughs) so Jimmy, Jimmy would have been happy to like get buried in his car. I think that would have been the end of him. He could have just like done it. And at the end of it, you know, he's been doing this for a decade and a half, something like that. And the dude, uh, we have a brand new supervisor coming in and he's a former hrt guy so for folks who don't know what hostage rescue is it's the fbi's tier one squad team like they're the guys they're out of quantico they got fifty thousand dollar helmet and night vision like they got all the cool guy stuff and my my former boss like he did it for like 10 years so he shows up for his first day to kind of check into the squad <laughs> and uh, this guy jimmy is running the meeting and it's the new boss and he 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 rests control Of the meeting from the new boss, he's like, "Yeah, like I'm the acting, so I'm in charge," which is borderline hilarious to begin with. And he goes, "I want to cover a bit of housekeeping right now. Somebody has been cutting their fingernails or toenails in the cars, and like it's disgusting." So his first impression with new boss is that he's outing somebody for like cutting fingernails or toenails, and he had gone around and like you know cleaned them all up out of uh, you know with like a like a dustbuster or something. (laughs) It was the weirdest (laughs) thing I've ever sat in, and I thought like. None of these people would ever survive in a real job. No. Like they just have no sense. They would they've never sat in like a real meeting with normal human beings because you would never be like, "Let's just cover some housekeeping right now about your toenails and like how you where you can leave them. Nobody does that. It's bizarre. No. It's totally
2: bizarre. no. See, I would go the other way i'm on the guy who left our office because like he knew everything about everything. like and he would when I was new and I was like, "Hey, I got to interview this subject. Uh, he was he might be involved in the shooting. He's like, all right, here's what you're gonna do. You're gonna ask him this, and he's going to say that. You're gonna ask him this, and then he's gonna say that. And he would like give me a 20 question blow for blow and like every single time but just he was like, yeah, I've just done it so many times. I know the, how this thing's gonna play out um but right Not when he knew under the sun there no, but right when he left to me the, the biggest uh, indicator of like why the the 57 and out mandatory rule plus extensions um there needs to be some like reevaluation of like what some people are worth. And uh, we had we were in Sioux City, Iowa, so like the ugly Sioux versus Sioux Falls, which is where everybody wants to go. Right. Um, so they're like 100 miles apart. So uh, so we interact with them every once in a while, and they and they get to telling us that this one thing, uh, how they had this case where like they found these uh, these uh, bones on the side of the road, and they're like we uh, we took took them to the lab. They said it was uh, these like Eastern European women that were like 20. And then everybody starts talking in town about like, Hey, there's this really weird guy and he's had like four wives and we don't know what happened to him. So like we go up there, we get the warrant. And then we're, uh, you know, we're asking him, he's denying. He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like my wife left me. What do you, what do you mean? And he goes, and then one of our guys leans up against the wallpaper cause it was a farmhouse and it bursts through a, a, a hidden wall. And he's like, it's the saw chamber, right? And like, like a steel trap thing. They bring in the ERT, the evidence response team. They do the black lights, find nothing. I'm like, what? This is the murder room. What, what's going on, right? And uh, asked this guy, and he's like, "No, like, I'm just a loser. These women, I find them on online, and then they like leave me like really quick as soon as they realize that you know I, I can't, you know, have a wife." They locate a couple of the women. Uh, a couple of them actually had died. They send them the, the bones over to this other facility. I think they sent them to Quantico. And it comes back, and they're like, "Well, they're like 300 year old." Indian bones. And,
1: and because it's like somebody on the Oregon Trail who didn't make it.
2: No, it's it, it's farmland, man. It's farmland. If you find Native American bones, you can't plant. So, like, they tell right. the guy, like the low man on Tonable, hey, you go out the highway and you just drive, and every couple of seconds, you throw a bone out, right? Oh, no. So, so we take this, you know, these guys have this Netflix story, right? That they think it just completely falls apart. So, right. come back to my office, and I'm like, this guy's name is Jeff. I was like, Jeff, you got to hear the story. I'm like, all right. So they find these bones. He goes, "Let me guess, three hundred year old Indian women bones that they just found because the farmer threw them out." I was like, "And this guy's leaving in like two yep. weeks."
1: Yeah, he's he's could the institutional saved, knowledge, and that's it. Saved eight
2: months of investigation <laughs> that's in fifteen correct. minutes.
1: <laughs> so my 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 first uh, couple nights that I was in Shelby, Montana. So I went up and did a Tdy up there, and I'm visiting with my buddy Jake, and uh, he's on call, right? So he's catching whatever comes off the Blackfoot Reservation, and. We had a really nice morning there was a um a, a stabbing right uh he picks me up from the airport and he has to take a phone call so we're driving in the, in the work truck and they were picking me up it's all official duty so it's all good and, and we're driving from Great Falls 90 minutes away from the office maybe it's more than that it's at least 90 minutes and we're cruising in it's like I I'm just blown away cuz Montana's so pretty and it's like like fall in Montana
2: okay
1: and he's got this like a guy on the th- line and he's like sergeant um no how mu- how much is he bleeding you know what do the wounds look like? You know he's trying to find out how stabbed mm-hmm. he really was. Yep. And he's like, no, we're, like I'll I'll run it by the you know the prosecutors, but like the ASA is not going to take that one. And thanks for calling me. Like if somebody gets stabbed worse, like let me know. And that's you know that's Indian reservations. That's like there's a sure. standard of how stabbed you have to be, right?
2: Criminal <laughs> Chief, call him up. Go, how stabbed to, was
1: he? Oh, how stabbed like, was he? Yeah.
2: Three times in the torso,
1: not enough. I need, I need no, more. not enough stabbing. And so, <laughs> anyway, so people don't have any idea like, like a stabbing is not a stabbing per se, especially under federal law when you have to go under major, major crimes. So, we're driving, we're having a pretty good day. We go check out the office, we go, we, we go to a steakhouse and it's like 7 30, 8 o'clock at night, gets pitch dark outside. He catches this call and it's a Bones call. And it's just like, your, your, your heart just sinks because you're like, oh no. So, first of all, it's probably 20 degrees outside and the bones are as far away from anything in the world as there could be it's 20 miles off a road like in the middle of a field right like near these river bottoms and they were found by people who were on horseback in the dark no further information i don't know why they were on horseback i don't know what they were doing out there i don't know how they even found these bones because when we went out there the next day because that's when we went out there um you had to walk down. The wind was blowing like close to hundred miles an hour. So I almost got blown off the side of this hill walking down it. And it was 400 yards away from where we parked, uh, which was 17 miles or, you know, 30 miles off the road or whatever the hell it was. It took 45 minutes to drive uh, over, like just rutted out everything. And when we finally get there, we walked down and I almost got blown off the hill. I've never actually felt like I was going to fly before with the wind. I was leaning on a 45 degree angle, talking to this woman from four feet away and she's screaming at the top of her lungs and I can see her mouth moving and I couldn't hear anything. It was so windy, so crazy. And the, and the obvious solution was just where we parked was a cemetery. And then like where the bones were, was like a hundred yards away. Cause someone didn't want to pay like 20 bucks to put their loved one in the cemetery. And they went with the old uh, Blackfoot move, which was like a, like a, a sky grave. Right. Right. And, and what they would do is they put them in like a, uh, some kind of a box or they put them in a, a coffin or something like that. They'd sit it out and then the elements would just destroy the box. And then the bones would just blow off the end of this like little, you know, whatever stone setup. And then there would just be bones. And so you're looking at it and they sent pictures overnight. And my buddy goes, You got any, uh, you got any skills at aging bones? And I was like, Uh, well, you know, like nothing formal, like nothing you know, formal. I've never my I've had a course in this. Yeah. <laughs> so he sends me the pictures. He goes, what do you think about this? And you could see that they're like calcified and porous and they've been completely bleached through. Like they're 50 years old if they're not a hundred, you know what I mean? And yeah. so anyway, so we, uh, so we gathered all these things up and like the, you know, tribal police comes out and uh BIA is out there and we like scoop them all into this box. And my buddy drove around with this box for like a week because the anthropologist was out of town and he like, wouldn't receive them because you had to give it to the anthropologist. And then they went and they just buried it back in the same cemetery that we had driven out of. We could have done it in 15 minutes. And instead we were just like, stuck there with these things but we missed a steak dinner over it which was also like the big deal and also we found out that there are people that are riding horses in like 20 degree weather with 80 mile an hour winds nowhere near civilization no one knows why it's just completely insane but that's that's the only place in the fbi you're going to see stuff like that obviously
2: oh i'm back
1: yeah you are welcome back
2: all
0: right right. i saw you freeze
2: i was was impressed (laughs)
1: So before we started this folks, like I, I talked to Steve and he goes, so we had the hurricane this afternoon. It's like, you just dropped it. Cause they, because there what, two hurricanes in 45 days now. Yeah, that's
2: right. Yep. Yeah, two of them. And you have no backyard. Nope. It's gone. It's gone. And the, uh, the white sands of Daytona beach are, are gone to stop any of the, uh, the surge coming in. So the, the waves are pounding the concrete barriers and buildings are collapsing into the sea, <laughs> down, including the, uh, the lifeguard facility, like, and you're you're pretty good in
1: inland, correct?
2: Yeah, I'm five miles inland. Yeah, so you're about
1: six more hurricanes away from being beachfront.
2: Oh, maybe I get to half dozen, maybe. But with okay. climate change, you never know.
1: With climate change, you could be <laughs> beachfront tomorrow. That's right. It's just we don't know how fast it's going to change. <laughs> hey, look, look, you bought in. You bought in. You bought in low, and you're going to be able to sell high when, right. when you're We're up
2: front. Borrowed time, according to Al Gore.
1: I think we're supposed to all be underwater at this point.
2: I think so. I think we, passed that's why it. he invented the internet,
1: right? I think that's, that's why he invented the internet <laughs> so that we could still communicate when we all lived on mountaintops, like
2: with water underneath us. Just and that, that guy. I'd never heard the word chakra either before that guy brought that to, uh, uh I don't, I don't feel good. Oh, about that was that the word. whole thing. He asked for the uh, the masseuse to release his second sh- Chakra.
1: Was it his root chakra? <laughs> I don't know, man. I think that's down in sort of like the, uh, in the Grundle region. And uh, that's a, that's a special service. You have to pay extra. That's, Unless you're in Albuquerque, then it's, then it's just part of the standard service. Standard. <laughs> All right. So um, I was going to, so yeah, we talked about Steve D'Antuano, like disappearing uh, from the map and they've, they've named an HRT guy to go and take over. Have you ever seen uh, like a, do they ever name an ADIC when uh, the other guy hasn't left yet? Is that a thing, Phil? I've we need never, a producer, Phil in.
0: Yeah, I've never or, heard of that before. Usually they let uh, the guy go off to pasture and then they name a successor. And the- there's usually
1: an acting for a couple of weeks before somebody else pops up. isn't then,
0: right. So it's awfully suspicious.
1: How many, uh, how many ADICs did you see get replaced while you're at WFO?
0: Well, they average like 18 months, right? before yep. they go take their big tech job or you know <laughs> before
1: they go work for Roku and make more money yeah or the doing NFL nothing.
0: or whatever cush job they've been working toward
1: what if they were to last say last like go years. and work for the US Olympic Committee and they don't want to bring anything uh sense like maybe they want to protect Larry Nasser for a little bit that could be a thing
0: yeah well yeah. there okay. was that allegation wasn't there
1: yeah i think there was okay
0: and, and it wouldn't surprise so, anybody listening to this show
1: no surely not Uh, so 18 months, 14 years, what do you got? Like eight, nine, something like that.
0: Yeah. Right. And you know, half of them left under suspicious circumstances, you know, true, but but the rest
1: of them were like, that was a rocket ship job too. Like that's where Andy McCabe came out of.
0: Right. Yeah. Well, he's part of the half of the disgraced ones. I mean, my, my very first one, I won't say his name, but he ended up getting embroiled in the whole dialogue cheating scandal. And, uh, you know, you know about that story. Steve announces no. his retirement on Christmas or whatever, but even he did not have his successor named before he went off to pasture. Uh, again, I won't say who it is, but you can see him standing by the Lombardi Trophy at the Super Bowl. Now, and <laughs> he, he landed on his feet. He's wow. good to go. I mean, as far as uh, things in the bureau go, like the uh,
1: the Diog scandal was sort of like it's pretty weak tea compared to what we've gone through in the wow. last. So the, the the story was is that. Uh, people were basically, uh, getting, they, they didn't want to take the dialogue test that we all took at the Academy. And so they were just passing what passing answers. Is that kind of the deal or was it, they were taking it for each other?
0: Yeah. The CDCs, ADCs had the answers. Uh, it was like <laughs> a master's level test. I mean, it took me three, four hours. It was open book. Uh, but you know, the thing about an open book test, right. Is, uh, it's usually more complicated than one that you can do from memory. So the last question, there was a 51st question they didn't tell everybody about. And it was, did you receive any assistance on this exam? And of course, you know, everybody had to say Lack of no. candor. Right. Yeah. And uh, another SAC turned them in. It was like, hey, pull these records, see how long it took them to take the test. And these the, and the 45 minutes, it in like 14 minutes or something like that. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. That's so, the kind of
1: scandals that the FBI used to have. Those seem pretty tame compared to like those so were the stuff
0: house. We guys. Yeah. I mean, we would we would yearn for something that simple nowadays, but now it's, yeah. you know, using... I wouldn't even be mad at those people at this point. Right. And it's like, they're like they're not even running cases. No. Yeah. Now it's a little more serious. <laughs> so it doesn't like, even... It doesn't. Use, using the government's most intrusive investigative technique to target their political enemies. That's right.
2: Mm. I, had SAC, I had an SAC get his retirement gig as, a, uh, as head of like cybersecurity for a fairly large bank.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh,
2: he didn't know anything about computers, so he had the cyber unit do all his... Uh, all his qualifications that he then presented in order to get the job. Oh, he got all
1: the certs, but he had someone else take the classes.
2: (laughs) All the, all the cyber guys did the classes for him. Well, and I would
1: say this too, like if people haven't realized it by like, if you hire anybody out of the FBI, like higher than a GS 14, like they haven't done work in a really long time.
2: Yep. There's
1: probably one or two exceptions. I don't know them, but like there probably are one or two, but it's not that common. I think a lot of people are just, just chilling. And they're not doing a lot of work and they're definitely collecting a, a very reasonable paycheck for that. So um, that's Kyle Serafin's opinion, but I'll stand by it. <laughs> I'd answer to that. Okay. Second. So I was gonna Yeah, I think I think we could get a couple <laughs> cosigners on that. I think I think our former agents group that we talked to would be uh co signers on most of that oh, too.
2: Unanimous. Unanimous. All right.
1: So we're going to see if Phil can um, can share a screen. I'm gonna I'm gonna run something through you, which I think is uh, super interesting. All
2: right.
1: Um, so I I worked an SOG case down in Tampa, and as far as I know, this is ongoing. But I'm going to sketch out how it sounded. So you had kind of this experience too when you guys went and grabbed the guys for the for the Whitmer case, right? It's mm-hmm. like how it was briefed, and then what you saw in real life, right? So you were brief that you guys were going to be taking down uh, Defo um, Tier One unit.
2: Oh yeah, I, I, I mean you, you got the military background. Have you ever heard the phrase "near peer"? Because that was not normal to my lexicon. And they were like, "These guys are near peer guys. They're near peer." Who kept saying <laughs> that? Like the, uh, near? the, the all, all the uh, the SWAT STLs. It was got like it. some you know because they're always introducing new terms. Um. Well, they just heard
1: them because they were just down at like Damnick or like Virginia Beach and they just met like a cool guy and somebody is saying it now. So now they got to say it too.
2: It's the FBI. They make up terms all the time or they just inappropriately use them. Like, I mean, I don't need to exfiltrate to go home. Like we're not, we're not. Dude, overseas. you got to
1: exfil. if you infilled. You got to exfil. That's the rules.
2: <laughs> true, and you got to. If out you donned
1: it, you got to doff it. These doff are rules.
2: Yeah, you you cannot. You
1: can't just like uh, make it up as you go. This is not Vietnam. Like there if, are definitely rules here. <laughs>
2: if you yeah. If you had uh, any potential risk of injury, you have to fill out a nine report. Like, what is it called? A nine line report. Oh like yeah, a, you
1: nine line it for sure. Why not?
2: <laughs> like, your, your your conus was, and your domestic we went to a house and they had like slightly elevated carbon monoxide uh, levels and they uh they had to do full like full workup nine line we gotta we gotta report this <laughs> I was like, we had we we're it's a 30 second exposure and it was an outdoor tent like yeah you
1: to, know what and you know, know what like, the cure for that is getting more fresh air so uh <laughs> exactly. like you're good <laughs> no there's probably a vaccine for it there might be if we waited around long enough if they could probably uh mrna get rid of that stuff for you uh, oh, so, so,
2: uh so Whitmer so so we watched the videos these guys and uh like they're shooting um on a range out of vehicles their gear was as good as ours their tactics were as good as ours and like we were kind of joking around like these guys are gonna we're gonna arrest them and they're gonna be like your gear sucks it just give us a hard time about it and uh
1: little did you know that it was all FBI gear all our <laughs> gear yeah all of it it and, was <laughs> all FBI <laughs> it was probably bought on a government contract <laughs> the, the our, our,
2: one of our breachers, so like in the back of the room, like, cause the briefings are always like lots of jokes and it got, right. it was quiet. Like we were serious. Cause they were, were like, Hey guys, encrypted comms, they're going to get in a gunfight. You just know it. Just know it. you're going to have to shoot some people today.
1: If like, you knew how many times Phil and I have heard, uh, this is the big one. And these guys like really have it. And then you would have, you would have been instantly suspicious of this brief, but
2: yeah, no, I was like, I was amped up. I was like, all right, let's do this. Let's do this. And, uh, it was time. the first, first time with the, uh, bear cat. So we had the donger, we had it ready to go.
1: And I love the donger. You know (laughs) what? I I, I tell you what they called it. WFO
2: yes,
1: the DOJ, the <laughs> dong of justice for people who don't know what we're talking about. Every Bearcat, the Lenco Bearcats all have this like battering ram system. That's all built into the front b- by the lowest bidder and has a, like a potential of knocking down a door, but also has a potential of like going through the engine block and ending the vehicle too, for all we know. And that's I don't right. think anyone's ever, no one's ever used it as far as I know, like no one's using this hydraulic ram thing, but anyway, it's a dong sitting at the front of the, uh, oh. this like lightweight you know, armed personnel carrier.
2: They probably, whoever made up that title probably got a on-the-spot award. Uh, yes. But, the, uh, but yeah, to be so fair, the, it
1: was also the engineer's name for it too because he was <laughs> like, you want to just put this donger out there in the front? All right, whatever <laughs> whatever you want, man. Why, don't they carry their own rams? This seems weird. How are you going to get up the stairs?
2: I you know, don't and, and I mean, yeah, it's like, how do you... So we need to, like, crush the inside of this door. Then we need to, like, pull back and then have the operators run up next to it. It's not a savings at all, especially no. when I have guys that like go to school to ram a door and like how many reinforced doors do you really encounter?
1: Right. And how if many you of those, do, and then, you, you,
2: th- then you would use it.
1: And you guys had hydraulic too, I imagine too, right? So you yeah. could split the oh, door yeah. frame with, a, with like, with yeah. a push of a button on a hydraulic. So it's not like it's a hard thing to like open a door.
2: It was really bad luck. If you're going to have a search warrant, at your house at the end of the fiscal year, because it was like, hey guys, we haven't like had any uh use of the uh power saw. <laughs> so like we send a breach in the back fence and just start just cutting down the dudes cut down the dude's fence. Cause like so we is... checked that box, we did it.
1: Yeah, and then you justify the equipment. So for folks who don't realize how federal systems work, it's it's as bad as the military in many ways, but it's in your backyard. It's domestic, it's right next to where you live. So what do you got? You've got, got dudes who are running power and Sawing down your back fence because they're checking a box to to make sure they get it. And like, that may be the right tool, right? We could agree on that. That may be the right tool sometimes. And you'd rather see it work than not in a real world semi risk situation as opposed to a high risk, but shoot, um, you can jump over fences too
2: yep
1: you sure can so i'm i'm a lefty and when i hang a rifle and i jump over fences like i have to make sure i don't lose a magazine because i will become a tactical yard sale like right away and it's very embarrassing (laughs) i I learned that on like one of my first days (laughs) like let my kit bang against like something else that was hard and like sent a magazine to the ground it's like well i got one round that's right and a a loose and and an instantaneous reload if it gets spicy (laughs) it's not good but all right so anyway so they got the donger what, what the heck yeah. were we even talking
2: about oh yeah the whitmer so yeah so oh, yeah mean, Whitmer's the, guys. the last comment was that, that like our jokingly our breacher was like hey do you guys think that these guys put on a school because i bet they have like a really sweet wolverine watch watchman patch that i could get because right for your helmet yeah uh but like yeah we were amped up man like i was like our, i always do, do you know after the uh, briefing call my wife be like hey this is where they really got me a lot of times I was on shield, not because they had a death wish for me, the smallest guy. So they're like, the shield protects you the most, so you got to have to take that. <laughs> and That's uh, the only
1: logical thought there is. Yeah, they're but like, like well, here, carry this heavy piece of Kevlar. You're small.
2: We, we might need you for a crawl space on the inside too. So we gotta make sure that you're in the initial entry. And you're in the initial
1: uh, entry with the shield, and you're also the backup trunk monkey slash crawl space guy.
2: Man, I just want to get on the team and get the cool guy pajamas.
1: You're just—that's it. So I used to make fun of the guys that all had their pictures of their buddies, like all on SWAT, and it's like, it—it it confuses me. I was like, why do you guys all wear uh, multicams when you're doing search warrants in an urban area? Like, does that seem freaking ridiculous to you? And they're like, well, we may have to infill. It's like infill in Baltimore. Really? Why don't you cover yourself with a trash heap? That would make more sense. Why don't you cover yourself with like a bunch of white claws and like um, some plastic bags? That would be way more reasonable. Yeah. But whatever, yeah. they had to infill. So I always used to make fun of them and I'd call them. I was like, yeah, you know, I used to wear pajamas to work too. It was pretty cool when I was active duty. Like everyone likes wearing pajamas. And then I refer to all these pictures of the guys because they're all, you know, M4 down doing the thing and everyone's got a tough guy look nobody's smiling I don't know why but yeah. everybody's got to look tough and I always called those tactical dick pics because I don't I know see. any other way like that's all that is
2: it's just Which you is, trying to I'm so glad you said that term because I said the same thing and by that was when I when I came out and they had the, those pictures of me but so I was like well I'm probably gonna get fired so there's this like really cool website I heard about called LinkedIn that I could get a new job in so I was like hey my wife like can you can you set up my LinkedIn profile and uh, she she did. And she also made me take SWAT dick pics years ago because she was like, this will be great for memories. And I was like, yeah. great. As long as nobody ever sees them. And at uh, least everybody
1: in America has seen them now. So
2: now. Yeah. All of America has seen my SWAT dick pics.
1: That's right. And what's <laughs> great is that that was one of the first things that you told me about those pictures. <laughs> you were like, yeah, my it's wife. Named me those. And I, was, I was so embarrassed that they were going to go out there. I was like, as long as they never get seen. And I was like, cool, man. That's your wife really helped you out on that one. That's
2: right.
1: And Miranda Devine really liked him. She splashed him everywhere. It's great. They were thrown ah. up on Tucker. I remember seeing it and I was like, all right, well, I'm looking forward to talking to this guy. <laughs> I don't know exactly what's going on in this photograph. I don't know who he's talking, but I like it.
2: That's right. I was just going through like, he's the cleanest guy in multicam I've ever seen. <laughs> Why doesn't he have a helmet on? No helmet. We're... He's not sweaty. He very airbrushed and it. no laugh lines, nothing.
1: Yeah. No, and somebody was out there just taking a nice picture of him walking through the woods there with that rifle. <laughs> yeah, that was funny stuff. That's good things. All right, so uh, okay, so Whitmer's guys, yeah. So they they show up. They're gonna be uh, they're gonna be Delta, and they turned out to be like um, Forrest Gump, living in a vacuum
2: uh, repair shop basement with no running. Yeah, anymore.
1: just struggling. And so anyway, so that's that's the that's the common experience that I think Phil and I saw. Phil saw it before I did, and I, so he he did three years three years plus in SOG before I was there. And so we crossed paths at that time. And it was like, he was telling me his, his idea that there's like this Claxton that somebody just like hits a siren and they're like, put the surveillance team on it when they're like reading their, their coffee, you know, getting coffee in the morning and reading a paper and they don't know what else to do with their case. Like, I don't know. Like just maybe put surveillance on it. Bink. And they hit the button. And then like the alarms go off in the hangar where we were at. And like, we're scrambling and going down the, the ghostbuster pole and we're throwing on our stuff and like running out and trying to go and like do the surveillance that nobody cares about. And we were always getting that this is the big one, like mm-hmm. that used to be my favorite thing. Phil would sometimes say that to me. He'd yeah. be like, like we would get a case brief, and then afterwards mm-hmm. he'd be like, "This is the big one." And he, <laughs> you can never take somebody seriously once they've said that to you like four or five times. And on the twelfth time, you're like, "Yeah, this is this is the big one. This is not this good. Really is. This is this is where we're at right now in our lives." So I'm I'm gonna give you the brief of the big one that we had down in Tampa. It was as good as it got. Um, to be fair, I think it was as good as it, as it gets. And we're going to have a, like a real time reaction to some of the information. And, um, and I'm not going to call this a bombshell, but this has not been spoken about publicly. And I think it's a big deal. So this is maybe a little bit more serious term. Like this is, this is a true bureau disaster on every level. Okay. So we get this guy. He's like 21 years old we get we get sent down to Tampa we're um, we're we're in the the garage of the field office and we're uh, getting spun up that he's an ISIS supporter and he had lived in Saudi Arabia and he had previously been convicted of terrorism charges. and then like the human element of it got really weird. They go um he was arrested when he was like 15 years old in Saudi Arabia and kept in and tortured for like three years. And I go, well, how do you know that he was tortured? And you're like, well, he said he was tortured. And I was like, what kind of torture? And they're like, they put acid on his genitals. And you're like, okay, that's that's pretty awful, especially at 15, 16, 17 years old. Like, that's a you don't have any perspective on what's going on in your world, and they're gonna just do that. So, um, so you got this like kid, right? And and then they're like, yeah, he he's he's struggling with women. He's very disconnected from society. Like all the things that are like the problems, right? And and they go, and he said that he had. And they interviewed him. They interviewed him at like an FBI office. And they go, and uh, he told us that he had a twisted wiener, which was like borderline hilarity. Like I almost fell out when they started saying this because we're standing here getting this like serious briefing. And they're like, and that's what we called the case for a while. It was like the, the case of the twisted wiener. And so this kid has a twisted wiener. And you're like, that's the funniest thing. And I said, well, did you? Did you check. That? Yeah, right? Isn't that the first <laughs> yeah. question? Like are we not investigators? Like I mean, that would I got questions. Explain I, a lot. I, hey, you know, let's like let's verify the information, right? That seems really easy to do. And they go, "Oh, funny enough, like he actually um offered to show us." And I was like, "So who confirmed it?" And it was like a female case agent and a male. And they're like, "Oh, uh, n- nobody." And I was like, "Let me get this straight. He offered to show you and confirm his story and you walked away from that?" And they are like, yeah, what would you have done? And I was like, dude, I'm a paramedic. Like, I've seen a bunch of wieners. I don't care. Like, you're, you're not going to freak me out by somebody who tells me they have acid on it. I do want to see that, actually. I want to know that that's true. And also, like, that's a good story. It's like, what would you do today? I uh, just checked out this dude. He was telling me that he had a twisted wiener. And then he was, he was serious. He did. It was all twisted. So I would want to know that. Anyway, so they didn't confirm the twisted wiener. That's weird. He was uh, worshipful or um, had a huge admiration for Omar Mateen, the Pulse nightclub shooter.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. And so, so they've got that going on and he owns guns and the whole case, which Phil's going to bring up the, uh, the, can you pull it up? Is that doable? Yeah. We got the We got the justice department, uh, release when they arrested him, the I whole, ca- him. this dude was nuts. He was driving all over the place at like a hundred miles an hour. We followed him 110 miles an hour, all the way from Tampa to Orlando. You know, that's not a short trip No, in the middle of the night. And they're like whispering stuff in the ear. They're waking up the SAC, like all the stuff. Like it was, and he was going to the Pulse nightclub. What they failed to tell us was that the Pulse nightclub is no longer a nightclub. It's actually just a memorial. I think that was information that I could have used yesterday when that happened. I'm literally driving, assuming this dude is about to go shoot up the gay club. And there is no gay club there. It's literally like a memorial thing and you can drive by it and you can walk, I guess you can walk in there. I don't really know, but it's two in the morning. And this dude is like, going to pull an omar mateen in my mind so we're following this guy without good information we run out of radio range because the repeaters don't go that far our plane ran out of gas so he flies off and so it's just me and like six guys and uh i think we had one gal on our team at the time um like doing seriously like 110 miles an hour keeping up with this guy running across the freeway across florida in the darkness and he ends up getting there and does all this shady stuff so he was amped up. He was definitely like doing weird stuff. Like he would drive into a cul-de-sac and then like do three loops in it and then come back out and then drive back into the cul-de-sac and like all the crazy wild stuff. Right. Yeah. So we're dealing with all that. Um, and we find out that he's probably psychotic that he's not sleeping. He hasn't slept in months. Um, you can guess why how we knew that. But anyway, we knew that he wasn't sleeping and he had all this stuff going on in his life that he, he just refused to, like, to sleep. And he's waking up in the middle of the night and he's crying and he's reading the Quran and he's ready to die for ISIS and all this other stuff, right? But he's also like totally nuts. Great. And the FBI ends up buying a uh, an eBay account from this uh, the seller who sold him, you know what a Polymer 80 is? No. Polymer 80 is like a half finished or 80% finished um, Glock frame. It doesn't have any of the holes in it okay so you can drill it out through a jig and it's not uh so i've done a couple just because i've done a little bit of everything when it comes to guns i think but i gotta because this is what <laughs> i do um so you can buy them you can buy 80 percent lower um ar-15s they're, they're like i said they're polymer or they're okay. aluminum and you have to mill them out yourself same thing with the glock deal you buy the frame and then you got to buy the frame kit like all the yeah. parts that go in and then you can a- assemble your own frame so you can build your own gun and you're not um getting a, there's no serial number on it like you build it but it's not okay. a gun it's like parts that will eventually be a gun if you do the right things and you don't screw it up which is super Mm. easy to screw up um so anyway not a firearm but the fbi considered it a firearm in this complaint and they marked it and they said he was going to be a felon in possession and so they can't they go to the ebay account seller who was selling a perfectly legal product across ebay which you could do and said oh you sent this to a felon his felony conviction when he was 15 years old in saudi arabia do you know how many uh, have you ever gone after a felon in possession who had a Terrorism charge in Saudi Arabia?
2: Uh, no, I don't think so.
1: Does that sound like that would
2: hold up? No, it doesn't sound like it would stand the scrutiny of uh, a, a first-year law student. But...
1: Right. So he's a juvie, right? He's got a twisted wiener, and he's in like tortured in another country, and we're going to call yeah. that. A legit uh felony felony. Possession. and then he also owned other guns and so i got he got he got into some altercation with like his old workplace i think he worked at home depot or one of the one of those uh, big box stores so he goes up in there like runs into like a cop or a security guard or something of that effect and ends up like freaking out he had like a pistol on him or something and he and he hit it and you know didn't get cited for it nothing happens um because he's not an illegally possessing um he probably had no concealed carry permit but whatever ends up happening he calls up his sister and asked his sister to, to get rid of all my toys, and she goes to the FBI, and she reports him, and gives the guns. Like it's like a twenty two caliber Uzi, like one of those fake Uzis, mm-hmm. and like a couple other little like whatever whatever weapons he had. He had two or three of them, and so she gives them to the bureau, and the bureau's like, oh, oh. so they sign her up as a cooperating source,
2: right? Cause she because she knows her own brother. Yeah, okay.
1: Against her own brother, and and to be fair, my understanding was is that she thought that there was like they were gonna stop this, like that he was yeah. gonna be dangerous
2: yeah he was okay gonna,
1: so this is gonna the surveillance we're doing
2: like they should have what's ahead like they're going to crack him just like normal yeah
1: yeah and so this is one of the things that keeps me up at night like when i think about like oh did i uh, ever do anything that i think i compromised on i didn't know all the information this is one of them phil can we pull up the uh the justice department website or is that not doable
0: nope i got it coming
1: yep. you let me know when it's up
0: well are we gonna see
1: it yeah am i gonna
0: no but you can read it
1: okay i can read it
0: yeah, all right. Okay, can't. so
1: it's... I can't see it.
0: Oh, well, mm-hmm. I, I can see it on my end. Tampa okay. man charged with attempting to provide material support to ISIS.
1: Yep. Okay, so this guy's name is Mohammed uh, Mat- Mataz, or Mamtaz Al-Azari. Uh, 23 years old now, 21 years old at the time, right? So he gets uh, the classic FBI, you know, set you up with a set of things that you want to buy, you know whatever your worst idea is, we're willing to to make that happen for you. Are you really sure you want to do this? Like the whole deal, right? Mm-hmm. And then um the minute that he touched it, like I think they threw a flashbang on him and they uh flashbang him right out. So anyway, so he never had a chance to do anything dangerous in that case. He was scouting out places like he was doing stuff that was super sketchy. Mm-hmm. But he also hadn't slept in in months from what mm-hmm. I can tell. Like he was getting a couple hours at a time. So um so JTTF ends up taking him down. They do their thing. We're doing. Um, I think they had eighteen-hour SWAT rotations. Um, they had the team spread out across eighteen hours for response, and then my team was doing overnights with no SWAT backup. When he was running around at two a.m., when he was like, going, two, yeah,
0: hundred miles an hour.
1: But yeah. that being said, like my, my team was very capable. Like the guys on my team know. Like we picked a team that was capable of doing interdiction if we had to in the dark, and we worked together all the time. So like we were good dudes for it. But uh, anyway, so we got all this. So this guy ends up buying a not gun gets uh the fbi buys this ebay account my understanding was they bought they paid twenty five thousand dollars, and sort of like gave the wink and a nod like you could be in trouble if you didn't sell it to us kind of thing to the seller that was kind of the way the case agents presented it so that was kind of troubling and then they bust this guy for material support of terrorism they got a uc in and some other stuff so like all this but like i want you to check out the complaint um i don't know if we can pull it up i'm going to run through here the complaint is uh so this was in 2020 female agent signs off on it. She's been with the FBI since 2016. Same as me. That's when I came in. She may have actually been like in the same year or in, you know, one of the classes nearby me, um, spent a bunch of time doing terrorism investigations. So she's got four years on CT. That's not, that's not terrible, but there's legitimate statements in here that he's a felon in the complaint that she swore Mm. out to. (laughs)
0: What
2: what do you think of that? (laughs) Um, no, <laughs> I think the judge should probably be very unhappy with that. Like you might have right? that female being on your rubber gun SOG saw so, now. So you right. So
1: here's the <laughs> thing that's really interesting. And and you tell me if this makes sense to you. So <laughs> I've only had to do, I've only, how many complaints have you had to write for the FBI? Oh, dozens and dozens. You did a bunch of them in Indian country? Yeah, yeah. So way more common in Indian country than not. Agreed? Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Um, generally speaking, otherwise FBI, Super rare. A grand jury.
2: They, they, they were like, they cover that in, the, in Quantico and they're like, yeah, this is a thing, but you're never going to do it.
1: It's like 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 so a probable I know, cause yeah, arrest. Exactly. Like I know I know agents that were twenty years in and had never written a complaint, not one.
2: Yeah.
1: Right. So not so. I wrote one complaint when I first got to uh, Las Cruces because we had a guy that was he was in jail he made a bunch of threats to federal judges. He was hilarious. He he said the funniest things you've ever heard on recorded lines, by the way. And he was just like, he's like, hello. He's like, it is me. Like, I admit, he's like, did you hear that? That was a threat. Call the feds. <laughs> he literally said, call the feds like five times on his call. It was epic. Uh, I was dying. We, I would, every once in a while, like people would, something would happen in the office and I would just play the clip from the audio. Cause I had it on my computer and I'd be like, call the feds,
2: call the feds.
1: <laughs> Such a good line. Anyway, so you don't do a lot of those, but he got out of jail. And so we went and complained to him, and we, picked him up and then put him back in jail and that was pretty much it like that's it, not very common otherwise so this girl writes a 65
2: page long complaint mm, no 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 right? no 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 so you think the judge wrote, no, wrote like all that every... supposed... no no the judge didn't read that and then he just saw I'm still the volume in... of it I'm it on page like, six. Oh, this is serious. Just...
1: yeah i'm on page six and that just finished up the background of like what isis is okay and then five or six pages of isis right how many
2: paragraphs the... is there i love me some me Uh, like
1: two, two maybe. (laughs) Yeah. There wasn't a ton there. Uh, two, three, there's three in in her. I love me. So, uh, okay. So we get down to page seven. And we're looking at the probable cause. And so they get into it. and They say that he, you know, he loves the pulse nightclub shooter, which is all true. He scattered out some locations. Yeah. That sounded like that was accurate. They were doing surveillance on him and he was like checking out things. Um, we get this random phone call, by the way, while we're driving, I'm driving 110 miles an hour and I'm like trying to keep my car on the road and follow a guy without being seen, which he probably couldn't see anything because he was driving the same speed. And they're like, oh, he might want to um, go into a rich neighborhood and like kill off a family and take over their homes. So don't okay. let him do that under any circumstances. Yes. I'm like, right, yeah, yeah. But also like, what authorities do I have to proactively stop a guy for going into a neighborhood? Like <clears throat> classic. That's the classic thing. I don't know. Like, so Phil may remember this. Like, did they ever teach that in the in the surveillance class when you were there? They'd give you like the spy terrorist that had like unbelievable OPSEC and tradecraft. And then you were like supposed to like figure out whether you had the authorities to intervene like before they started shooting up a movie theater or something. Is that yeah,
0: like, yeah. It, it's it's yeah. always, you know, a training environment scenario that would never happen in real life. Yeah, and they're like, the SAC is giving you authorities to like interdict the guy, and you're like, that's not happening. Like
1: nobody's signed. nobody's putting their name on the line to say like proactively go take somebody's freedom. Like that's not happening. Anyway, so they, they they're like, we don't know what your authorities are, but like don't let it happen. But like also stay within the law. But also <laughs> don't let him break the law.
2: Like the like the SWAT yeah. training we had to do every year about uh, where like basically HRT gets to just go murder a man. Like
1: I did those. Yeah. <laughs> the hurricane authority.
2: Yes. Is there Are anything you?
1: funnier than they're like hurricane <laughs> authority is approved. And you're like, there's no way anyone's going to approve
2: the thing. this. The, the,
1: they're like, he has the bomb. Go he, kill him! And you're like n- n- that's not yeah. happening, and it's like oh well,
2: the the attorney general is doing a speech uh, in downtown Omaha, so HRT is going to rapidly deploy. They're going to do the hand signal as they walk by the guy, and then they show you the exact spot that you have to plug him in the back of the head to inflict yeah. death immediately. I'm like oh, I'm going to take notes here.
1: Yeah, you're gonna do a T-box shot from point blank range <laughs> and shut this guy off CNS shot, right? Yes. We, we did a couple with those. And and I think that the guys on the on the HRT also realized like how silly it was. So they took it about as seriously. And we did one in a strip mall somewhere down in maybe it wasn't Manassas. Where was it? Down Fredericksburg or something like that. It was like somewhere halfway down. It was in the DC area, right? Um, Northern Virginia. And one of the guys brought his like, what what do you call those uh like um, those hoverboard looking things. It's like two wheels. And if you lean forward, like it goes, oh, yeah, it's, it's like a segue with no arms. Right. Yes. He was on one of those. And he was oh, like, yeah, and he yeah. was just like rolling around and like, we were using the, like the, uh, the playing cards. <laughs> so, uh, you, do you guys, did you do the playing cards? Cause you're in public. Like you, same as they gave you in the academy. Like, you have yeah. like, a, like a playing card. If you showed the playing card, like that was your shot. And he like drove <laughs> past somebody on his like on his hoverboard thing and he was like, <laughs> he, like shows the guy the card and like throws it at him because it's one of his own guys at this simulated terrorist. <laughs> it's like, oh my God. I was like, that's exactly how much train, like how much this deserves for respect. Like, he came by on a hoverboard and he threw a playing card at it like a role player.
2: I just remember thinking the handshake was like, it's supposed to be the most nefarious, like evil doing OPSEC terrorist of all time and you yeah. want me waving my hands like a third base coach like giving signals yeah, like, swing away him. yeah and <laughs> or it's out. like a, it's like a fist pump it's like <laughs>
1: drop him you know the kind of bs it's so silly <laughs> anyway uh i don't know what the heck i was talking about so this guy uh scouting things we didn't have hurricane authority but we did get told to to make sure that we dropped him if he tried make to kill sure people he doesn't
2: which, you know murder people
1: make sure he doesn't murder people no further information that was my favorite it was like just enough information to get me in trouble with no <laughs> No follow through no background okay so um so yeah so they're going to talk about in 2015 this is 2020 and he's he's 21 years old at that time so five years earlier 15 16 years old uh he was part of a group in saudi arabia that was going to go to syria and do some jihadi stuff so there's his felony he was accused of conspiring and then you know everyone knows that the court system of saudi arabia i'm sure is very fair and probably gives him a very judicious look and has excellent due process. Um, and as my understanding was, he was a U.S. citizen and we let him sit there for three plus years. So that's cool. So paragraph 14, uh, they've established now that he's a felon because he did a felony in the kingdom and he's lived in Florida and California. And I'm reading right here, paragraph 14, um, Al Zahari's possession of a firearm as a felon is a violation of the laws of the state of Florida. And based on my training and experience, I believe that having a foreign felony conviction may explain his efforts to acquire firearms outside of normal channels. Do you
2: think that training and experience was pretty squared away or
1: what? I feel about that. You live in
2: Florida. I I do live in Florida. Um, I I think that they they might be coming for me at some point because I don't. Oh, my God. Based on
1: training and experience, right? Yes.
2: Based on training and experience. Steve stood in a TSA line at some point and been like, well, I'm not taking my shoes off. So that's obviously (laughs) going to be a 70 page complaint where they're going to come and take my AR. That's it. So uh
1: so we get in here unlawful um attempt to un- to unlawfully acquire and possess firearms, which I feel like you should actually have to show that there was a conviction, like a United States conviction and not not a juvenile yeah. foreign one.
2: I've never I heard of this. Don't one. even know. Like I've I've never heard of that even being a thing before. Like, isn't that the whole like you come to America to like start fresh and I mean, I don't
1: know if I you get know. to start fresh from being a terrorist per se, but, like, yeah. <laughs> but, but I do think that if you're a juvenile and you're convicted in a place that we don't necessarily uphold what they're so,
2: about. So like whenever you hear about these, like these uh, illegals that, you know, come over and they like commit a crime, they're like, well, he has a history. He was already, you know, it was like the Trump thing. Like they are sending our ra- they're rapists, it's like, right, right, right. Are they convicted of rape in Mexico or here? Right. I think that's, we should probably have a discussion about that before we just start accusing and, people and I of think being-
1: that the pro- yeah, and there probably are some some parameters that we accept other like reciprocity. You know? I just don't think that this is one of them. No, I don't understand. I don't
2: think that uh, I don't think that Saudi, the government of Saudi, is uh, is a you know is it one of our friendliest players, especially now that we're trying to be buddies with Iran. Right. Um,
1: well, that's that's this. I mean, so that that's, then, that's, so that's like, a totally different level of politics. So why didn't they, we
2: they, uh, why didn't we jam the sister up? Because I'm sure she's got a conviction for like driving without you know by herself yeah good point
1: yeah this this <laughs> sister was by the way very traditional like full garb the whole deal right like, wow. like I think only the face was but she had like heavy you know dress and all the way down to the toes that kind of thing what, um, so what's and the I, sentence I didn't spend okay well he got twenty years I'm sure uh, actually <sighs> I'm not sure if he did get twenty they were they were charged they were asking for 20 years um it gets more interesting though so we got the UC we um we bought the eBay that sold him a not gun. Mm-hmm. And then offered him, you know, guns, like you do, on eBay.
2: Sure, I mean, what have you not been logical. Like I could,
1: yeah, I could. I, he, and he wanted a, he wanted basically like a, like what he kept calling a baby. Uh, I think a baby AK, like a Draco. And so they were going to sell him a Draco <laughs> because you know if you ask the FBI if they'll sell you a gun, they'll sell you any gun you want. You're not going to be sure. able to keep it for more than a few seconds, but they will totally sell you any gun. Would you agree?
2: <laughs> yes. <laughs> like whatever yes. you want, buddy. <laughs> whatever and then he you want, the Glock, and then we'll just put it in our, you know, in our vault, so we can bring it out for the Citizens Academy and say, like, look at these guns that we seized from the evil doers. Yeah, we seized <laughs> from this guy that he had for like <laughs> one,
1: one and a half seconds before he ate a flashbang, like. Uh, right in the wiener so um so yeah so you wanted to buy a uh, a glock this thing is going on i'm on page 10 now there's so much more of this oh. anyway so there's all the like they do the transcription and it was a lot of like online uce stuff going back and forth like texting hey bro do you know like do you have a baby ak or something and the guy said oh. the uc the uc who knows nothing about weapons from what i can tell explained that he had one but it was broken down in his storage unit to stay hidden. That stuff has to stay hidden. But he allegedly lives in Texas. I'm like, no, dude, you could wear it on your back. You yes. can walk around with a Draco on your back in Texas. Like <laughs> obviously, not another classic Fed non-American. Uh, no, no idea about this stuff. So, anyway, so it goes on and on. It's just like transcripts after transcripts. He wants to buy a 40 round mag, he wants to buy a 30 round mag for some reason for his Glock 19. Wow. I don't understand it, but, okay. hey, man, you want to trip this, over it? <laughs> bro, it's America. You do whatever you want. Then he mentions that he has this like 22 caliber Uzi and some other stuff. And then he sends some pictures of it. So if they were going for the felon in possession, they've got him. Like he's yeah. sending pictures of it, right? Easy mm-hmm. day. You can get PC, you could search warrant that. You can go in the house mm-hmm. if he's sending pictures to a UC. I don't, but we want the terrorism thing because we're definitely, definitely not setting people up. Um, he, he also saw a picture of some other rifle and then asked if it was a sniper rifle, but it was an SKS, which used to cost like 79 bucks when I was a kid. So the $79 Mm -hmm. sniper rifle, Chinese thing, um, all good long and long. It just keeps going, keeps going, keeps going. So eventually they settle on a deal. They're going to buy a, like a, I think a Glock with a suppressor on it or something like that. I'm still scanning and there's like so much stuff on here. Um, he was buying uh, solvent traps, which none of my, uh, None of my colleagues had any experience with. Do you know what those are?
2: Yeah. Well, they're okay. suppressors. You didn't know that. They're ATF definitely suppressors.
1: Yeah. I had the ATF show up at my house because I, I ordered <laughs> one to the field office. I ordered one to the freaking office, man. I ordered one to the field office or to the uh, RA. And it, and like, it's like, did you have any uh, concerns that it went to an FBI office that didn't have like that didn't factor into your thing when you came and knocked on my door at 9am? Y- I wasn't yeah. even there. Or- it's like, ever, where's your professional courtesy? Like, what a clown show. I was like, talk to my attorney. My attorney loves suing the ATF. That's his favorite thing to do.
2: It, it so. was I, it was a great gauge of like what type of person you are. Because like when, when somebody said to me, like, you know, the, the, there's this thing, right? And I was like, this sounds awful. Awesome. I want that. Versus the other <laughs> people are like, who can who who can we put in jail for that? I mean, this so ever, e- get ever since uh
1: ever since the ATF guy showed up at my house for that, my buddy always asked me, he's like, bro, where are we gonna get the traps? Like, we're gonna we get some traps. He <laughs> called me at one point. And the reason why I even had the ATF show up, this is actually a side story, but kind of funny. Um, I reached out to the seller because I I don't know what happened to the thing that I ordered. And I reached out to the seller and I'm like, hey, cause his, his like inventory went offline and he became like a, a fed informant for the ATF. And uh, he was on gun broker and it, it didn't go well. So he disappears, then he pops back up. And like, he's, I'm like, hey man, do you have like any more salt and traps? Cause my buddy who's an agent was like, hey man, I want to buy like seven or eight of them. And I don't know if he's working a case or if he's just doing shady stuff. It doesn't matter uh, to me, I don't no. really care. I assume that he's like trying to hook up somebody. He was always doing weird stuff. He would buy like a motorcycle and send a, like a source with like an outlaw motorcycle gang, like whatever, like he would do weird <laughs> stuff. He would get money to buy stuff and he would send sources doing weird stuff because it was that's what he did, does cool cases like that. So I don't know if he's trying to buy them for sources and he's trying to like set something up or if he's like just wants to like trap all of his guns or like, I don't know, it doesn't matter to me. Like I just asked, I asked the question, you ask me for something, I'll see if I can get you an answer. And and then like a week later, the ATF's at my door like banging on it. Luckily, I was out of state. and I didn't have to deal with them. They called me up and it was stupid. And then I just gave him my, my attorney's number and he was like, Hey, like, what's up? Like, I love suing you guys. It's my favorite. <laughs> um, so my attorney's name is uh, Steven and he's, he's Epic anyway. So, all right. So they, 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 uh, they go through and they, they rent this whole thing. And I'm like, they found a laser pointer, five milliwatt professional. <laughs> Hold on. I have to read this <laughs> professional green, red, blue laser pointer, pen beam, light five milliwatt professional military high power presenter laser spelled differently hot selling he bought one of those so okay. that's so he, that's he, in his
2: yeah. that's in his complaint he, he could like to play with his
1: cat he might like to play with a cat or <laughs> he might have a professional laser pointer so anyway so all this stuff goes down yeah so they flashbang him he agrees to do the thing has the money it's like 611 dollars or something it's like whatever money you have we're willing to take it and then he was gonna buy a suppressor and this clock boom he's in cuffs fine okay so here's the fun reveal what happens to the sister Phil you got the uh you got the the story yep i'm ready okay so tampa man oops sorry that's a different one it's the last one Uh, so tampa man accused of plotting terrorist attack found mentally incompetent to stand trial surprise surprise that was january 18th of this year right so you know that's the best and then the worst is the last piece here you got that one up yeah this is from spectrum 9 news bay news this is tampa area news source and under their public safety category, woman killed in officer involved shooting was sister of terrorist suspect. So this woman, whose brother didn't get Baker acted, right? Mm-hmm. Can you say that? Baker acted. He didn't, yeah. he didn't he didn't get Baker acted. And she thought she was probably helping him by like reporting his problems and troubles and his bad ideas. She takes it like a butcher knife and puts it under her robes or her, her dress goes and sits outside of like a, a sheriff's deputy substation, totally unrelated to anything. Like the, the, the sheriff's the deputies had no idea. Yeah. And like, she's out there crying and someone goes to approach her. It's all on footage, like, like surveillance footage. She pulls the knife out and takes a swing at the guy. I think she clipped his arm briefly and he draws down and he, and he burns her down right there yeah. on camera. Yeah. And she's got three kids, three little kids. So now their yeah. uncle is in jail for this like terrorism thing that he's mentally incompetent. And we should have put him in a, in a hospital. And then like this lady, gets gunned down, and now we have three more kids that are probably going to be really, really favorable to the United States, I'm sure, based yeah. on their experience, right? She that's where like, I always look at it.
2: Sounds like she it was almost, it's like suicide by cop, almost like she wanted a honor killing by cop mm-hmm. because she felt so upset about what she'd done to her Or she's just young. Or, like, I or, mean, or she's stupid just stupid like with, him. Or, or you know, 20, she's 21, 22 yeah, years old, you just make a terrible voices, decisions. Here's the voices the same as he is. is that? It age doesn't even matter whatever.
1: why. Yep. Oh, so so now we've ruined five lives when we could have just put one guy in a hospital. Anyway, I think that's like pretty indicative of like my experience with uh counter cases. A lot of times, like the real, that was yeah. a really good one. That was as good as it got. I felt like.
2: Hey, my first, my first one that we got sent out for was, uh, there's a kid. They, they call us up. They're like, uh, they're forging, um, passports and, uh, they have bomb making materials. Um, uh, um I got Nazi materials. Par- yeah, yeah, I know. how <laughs> do you have a garage? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is it black powder? Do you have a Windex? <laughs> and and, and uh, Nazi paraphernalia. Well, that's like we're like, all right, we gotta get we gotta find out what's going on. Get out sure. there and we say, and um it was the um Department of State uh had done a well search warrant in this house. This woman and her ex.
1: These are like DS agents? Yes. Okay, yes. okay. I like So that.
2: they're they're like, so as it turns out mom and ex are fighting over the son, she wants to take him uh on her European vacation and he wants to be a jerk and be like, that's encroaching on my visitation. Yes. So she forged ex signature on the paperwork so that she can get her son a passport so that they could go on vacation. Checks. So naturally, Department of State goes and executes a search warrant at the house, and they, they find a uh, a bowl. That had uh marijuana residue enough to alert a canine so they got the dea out there
1: oh or this is a marijuana thing
2: yeah and then we get out there and the kid we go to his room and um he has uh it's after fourth of july so he's got uh some sparklers and uh fireworks <laughs> <laughs> and, um, i'm like all right, all right we can't be over and like what, where's like his computer stuff like he's a cyber genius and, and i like, cyber I'm like what what is what is going on here and uh they're like yeah where's the Nazi paraphernalia? we go in there he's got a World War II project that uh they're they're doing in school so he I guess his grandmother had, had was like of some German extraction or something like that so she'd had like some stuff from back in the day <laughs> I don't know but it was like completely illegitimate right we go they're like you gotta go interview this guy he's a threat he's a threat yes this kid my favorite kid, like now, we should be scared now, because he's as he's sitting there, he's like, yeah, just like really into computers and 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 you know, robotics. So like, I can type uh, Morse code um, with my feet, and it, it uh, like brings up over here, and I can do like a Google search, and like he just does it, and I'm like,
1: so that's now pretty we cool. Piss this
2: kid off, and so he's gonna you know hack our systems in about four minutes. And, yes, uh, yeah, that's. I, I don't know. I like that kid, guys.
1: I, I want to be. I want to hang out with kids <laughs> that can type Morse code with their feet. Those are like my <laughs> kind of people he yeah, went who full analog their
2: shoes i mean i was i, I was blown That's away epic yeah yeah
1: <laughs> definitely a threat definitely a threat hit,
2: hit, checked every box man make sure that jttf uh, had to be out there rapid response team deploy Good.
1: did you guys go with uh the helmets and the bearcat or was this no. just a, a regular agent interview
2: but, oh this was like we need to, it's like threat to life we got to be out there and we wound up just like standing outside the school like all of us like just standing there while like one guy goes in and was like well it's really really bad if all of us walk to try to interview one 14 year old kid so one detective that's went definitely in and-
1: yeah that's not intimidation at all <laughs> sometimes okay. it's sad because sometimes there's some really good work that gets done and and then there's so many clown shows that get done as well <laughs> i think like when you think about your tax dollars at work i drove all the way out to west virginia for a um for a guy impersonating a federal agent right
2: all right and, so I, and sounds I love like half the people we worked with
1: Yes. Many people in the <laughs> federal age. You just set Phil off. Bill just fell apart. He's done. He's cashed out. He's off the board. Uh, so we drove all the way out to West Virginia. and it, it may have been like a three or a four. It was a long drive. I can't remember the name of the town, but it was like something German sounding. And I was into it. And like I was into it because like, I just like going rural places. Like you leave D.C. and go somewhere where like regular people are. I'm a happy dude. There was like one uh, gal who looked like she was tweaking, you know, walk hanging out by the car wash. I didn't really understand what was going on there. A lot of tattoos, a lot of weird life choices. And I was like, cool. Like, this is, this is where I'm at. This is what I'm about. I'm I'm into this. So we have no information about where this guy lives though. He just lives in this town and we may or may not have a good address for him. So we drive by the address, no vehicles registered, no way to know if he's there or not. I don't want to spook the guy. Right. So I'm trying to get a little bit of like local recon So what do you do? You go to the local police department. It's like 2000 people in this town, very small. So I go to the, uh, the first police department and it's the, uh, it's the university police department. They had some kind of a, man, I can't remember what the name of the school is. It was Mountaineers or mountain, mountain Ruckers or whatever. Some, some kind of mountain thing.
2: Yeah. West Virginia. What
1: what are they? Mountaineers? Is that what they're called? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, it was, it was a satellite. It wasn't Morgantown. No,
1: no, we were not in Morgantown. I stayed in Morgantown uh, for a different reason, but not that one. So I'm out there and. yeah, so we're, we're like we go to the university police. It's like some satellite campus, and they're like, "Yeah, we don't know who you're talking about. Sorry, bro." And I was like, "That's cool." And we talked to them for a little bit, and they showed us their rifles. I don't know why
2: they started showing us rifles, but at some point they start. They're like, <laughs> do they we tell got, you they've been? Do they tell you they've been on a task force at some point? Because that's normally uh, the probably. <laughs> I, I don't remember why, but like
1: whenever I go BS with cops, like at the end of it, like we're all we're all talking guns. That's just how it goes. So that that happened. And then we go down to the real uh, police department and uh, the local police department and they let us in and they're like kind of like blown away that there's like feds there. We got the fed credentials and they were really into that. They were confused because we weren't wearing suits. So that was really exciting for them. And so we have this like real kind of fun chat and I go, okay, here's the guy I'm looking for. And uh, and they go, do you know much about him? And I go, no. Um, and they go, yeah, that name doesn't really sound familiar. And I was like, he had like a malicious wounding case a couple years back. But uh, yeah, all I know is that his mom- is uh of like she's ethnically chinese she's of chinese descent and they're like oh yeah 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 we know her i was like i didn't tell you her name they're like yeah she works at mcdonald's so that's she, has. <laughs> she works for she has day shift at mcdonald's and i was like how do you know that and they're like there's only one chinese lady in this town <laughs> she works at mcdonald's and uh yeah she lives up on the hill we know where you we know her address what address do you have and I, I i go i don't know it's somewhere near this apartment and they're like oh yeah yeah no we can, we'll take you up there we'll take you up there like yeah, her son lives there and a bunch of cats. And I was like, this is outstanding intel. Yeah. So we get up there. And so we get up and we knock on the door. Like I called the guy and I'm like, hey, man, because I try to call people, man. And I just, I don't like people banging on my door without announcing. So I just, I said, hey, you know, here's who I am. You know, we're with the FBI. want to come chat with you. Are you available? Can we come knock on your door? And he starts getting real sketchy. And he's like, well, how will I know that you are who you say you are? And that you're, you know, it's like, look, dude, I'm going to come bang on your door and then I'm going to hold my credentials up to the people. And if you want to, you can open the door and let me in and we'll talk. And if you don't like, that's okay too. Like you can do that. I love telling people that they can tell me to go away. Mm -hmm. So, um, so sure enough, I go bang on the door and he like looks out the window and he sees the creds and he's like, may I inspect them? And I'm like, yeah, bro, like knock yourself out. So I give it to him and he's like looking at him and he's like, okay, Uh, well, we can sit in here. So we go and we sit in his thing and they got like the classic, like two weird sofas, like too much furniture stuffed in there. There's, you know, covers on, on the sofas, like, you know, sheets, whatever. And so he's like, you can sit on this side. And I was like, thanks, man. So I sit down and my partner sits down. My partner was uh, very nice, but not very capable of dealing with this guy, like chatting with him. It was too much for him. He was in the army. Yeah.
2: He was in the army. Yeah. And i am having a great time. Yeah, (laughs) He's just like
1: a uh, classic army critical thinker. And so this dude leans over me, like reaches all the way across my body across my knees and like over my shoulder, like right over here. And he grabs his uh, router and he unplugs. (laughs) it. It's the single weirdest thing you could have done (laughs) in that moment. Cause I'm there to talk to about, like he was on, I don't know, eBay or something. And he was like saying that he could recruit people for a human program or some weird thing like that. So I go, look, man, uh, what, why did you do that? (laughs) And he was like, well, I thought maybe this might be about my search histories. And I was like, well, it wasn't. It wasn't <laughs> now, now we should probably talk about it. If you feel up to it, like maybe we could talk about your search histories, dude. And he was like, yeah, I do a lot of research into like terrorism and counterterrorism. Naturally. And like, oh, oh yeah. Of course you do. Uh, what's, what's your interest there? And he's like, well, because, you know, I've been studying it at university and I go, oh, that's fair. Like you're studying like counterterrorism, national security stuff. And he's like, yeah. And I go, so, uh, you know, what kind of class are you taking this semester? And he's like, well, I actually dropped out of school like 18 months ago. <laughs>
2: I just go to the library.
1: He's, by the way, by the way, he's like in his thirties. Like he's not like a like a 20-year-old kid. Like he's in his yeah. mid 30s. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, it's so weird that you would just say that stuff and I'm gonna have to go write it up and someone's gonna look at it and they're gonna yep. be like, yeah. send it over to the C- some poor CT agent's gonna have to drive out here again too. So sure enough, like we talked for a little while and I get to the thing, and I'm like, dude, all I want to know is, are you telling people that you're a federal agent? Like that's a that's a felony. You can't do that. And he was like, Absolutely not. And I was like if you said things that were weird and people were to walk away with it, believing that you were a federal agent, would you, uh, would you try to like dissuade them of that? And he was like, no, <laughs> I
2: was like, cool.
1: Well, I'm glad I wasted my whole day. At least I got like some beautiful territory out there. And, uh, now I got a, now I got a guardian lead. I got to go right up.
2: because <laughs> exactly. Out there
1: doing weird ISIS searches in the middle of the night. Like, he was like, most of my search history happens at, like two or three in the morning when I'm, when I'm inspired to look for it. It's like, oh uh, this is why are you weird
2: why yes why are you telling this i didn't want to know that i i, yeah, I want to know that we could have please. gone
1: this whole conversation and i would have just left yeah but instead now someone else is going to come talk to you probably and they're not going to be as fun or as cool as me yep. and they're not going to think that these cats that smell awful are amusing but i used to go into houses i know you did when you were a cop too like when i was a paramedic i'd go in and she's like mm. people's like terrible houses so be it oh it's yeah
2: hoarders oh Oh, it, it times, man. Try moving it a stretcher comes. through a hoarder's house. I don't envy that one. No Nuh-uh. no it's like I'm... You're carrying the damn thing. Yeah. And then and it never fails as you're walking out like, you know, it's cop's live. So like there's you know, every every neighbor's out there, they're like, Yeah, yeah, she's been weird for years. Like and you didn't think that like, you know, she's living in the backyard when she's got a full house? Like well, i didn't have to 10. deal with that
1: i wasn't on cops live nobody cares <laughs> if the ambulance shows up the ambulance is the bo- most boring thing in the world people like look at the ambulance and they go ah at least it's not me yeah that's leave. right it's, is it's... somebody dead no yeah. okay they're
2: out that's it that's, that's it what I care about. yeah man. oh man I had... all right i got well, I actually got on I, I got on tv for the for, for cops it was cool real cops like the actual show yes that's yes. legendary
1: yeah that should go in your bio
2: get f- f- man with the bucket it was what the call was naked man with a bucket Yes, and we showed up and it was he, he, signal 49 was a crazy man and he was like yeah my my niece she lets me like live on her back porch if i just keep up her backyard and uh he, he complete dirt right there's no grass no, not blade and he he's was just maintaining like, it like it was yeah maintaining it and uh some the second officer goes he's like "Oh, i'm gonna go verify it goes around the front and i'm just standing there and i'm just like this guy's just naked and uh I looked at him. I was like, I, "I guess I don't need to search it for weapons, do I?" And silver lining, they, <laughs> yes. And they got that on tape, and they they had me sign my uh, my waiver that they could put it on.
1: So they were waiting there, or were they riding with you guys that day?
2: They were riding with us that day. Yeah, they're That's cool. So they're cool. awesome. They, it's the same crew that does every one of those shows. It's a, what, they're it, like, it, yeah, we do Alaska State Troopers, we do cops, we do you know, like they're, they it, were was it, live, our best, it was
1: cops but, or live PD.
2: This would have been, it was, it was actual cops? She, no, because cops had to go see the Marine Patrol. I was in Savannah. So uh, they they sent us whatever some, it was like a crime TV, whatever that, whatever their, their show was. It's like the same crew. I know. Same crew. It does all like that. They, they were, yeah. They were I feel fit. like they're studs too. Like, Cause they like, they were like, Southland like, like, <laughs> like, takes all our stuff, man.
1: <laughs> they're able to run with cops, right? In real time yes. as cops are running down subjects and like knocking the guys to the ground and they're running with like a camera crew and I'm sure they're wearing Kevlar too, right? Yeah. So yeah. They're, they're running done. with they're, everything they're, the cop has. Kevlar is better than mine. Plus, yeah, of course, it's, yeah. Yeah.
2: Just,
1: <laughs> Yours was pretty issued like, to somebody else. To... <laughs> yes.
2: And it was expired by the time I was walked out of the FBI. I was like, like when
1: the FBI tells you that, you're, that your expired Kevlar is fine. It's like, no, it's fine. It will totally last it's, longer than It's that. fine. It's
2: just it's fine. Yeah, like, it'll, it'll probably work. It'll probably work. Uh,
1: They don't. Yeah. You're like, Oh, awesome. Well, my first day I showed up with a, with a plate carrier, like everybody has a plate carrier, but instead of using mine, like a tactical purse that was just made of nylon, I had plates in it. And uh, all the people (laughs) were looking at it. Cause I like, so I don't think I told you Did I tell you my first day I went in and like, I didn't even make it to the office. I went straight (laughs) out for a search warrant. Oh, really? Okay. Picked picked out 300. Like this is the only CI agent that's ever had this morning. I get picked up by my training agent at 0, 300. It's pissing rain. It's cold. It's December. I want to say in uh, 2016. And okay. I have a six foot one, 200 something pound Chinese training agent with a ponytail. That looks like a samurai. Um, his name is Lou. And Lou is, he's a, he's badass. Like he's like one of the coolest dudes ever. And he has the <laughs> thickest Chinese accent. And so like he's saying stuff and he, he's like, he's like, yeah, Yo, you're not supposed to go in the house. But like, uh, You know, they told me to put you on perimeter. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's cool, Lou. And he was like, yeah, but I'm going to give you the RAM. (laughs) Like, you're going to use the RAM. And I was like, all right, that's cool. He's like, what you got in there? And he like reaches over and knocks on my plates. And he's like, you got your own plates. And I was like, I got to come home. I told my wife I'd be home tonight. He was like, "That's, that's smart. Yeah, you could do that. It's like, he's like, you're putting <laughs> out a policy. He's like, that's a policy I don't mind violating. And he's like, but Luke would say the funniest things. He would get on the phone and like yell yeah, at people for me sometimes when they weren't like, I'd make a phone call and they wouldn't answer. And he's like, call him back. It's like, oh, okay. Like we were like for a traffic accident. You know, you did you, you ever do yeah. a BUCAR traffic accident? Yeah. So yeah, horrible. <laughs> this was like the most legendary thing you ever hear someone yelling about in a skiff. But I got a freaking BU car accident. So for folks that don't know, we we uh, investigate all of our own traffic accidents and the bureau is self insured. So if you ever get hit by an FBI agent and they tell you they don't have insurance, it's insured by the government. It is, um, probably. Um, but anyway, so <laughs> sure enough, this uh this guy he was like worked on the Navy base or something, he was like an engineer and he didn't want to answer our phone call and he was like avoiding us and stuff and they're like so i have this like and i'm like leaving messages leaving messages. i got him on the phone one time he's like call me back in 15 minutes called him back and then he ditched me again so he's ghosting me and so we get this uh i call him up and, and like I, I leave a message and there's like nothing there and he's like oh he's like why are you not calling you back and i'm like i don't know dude so he grabs the phone from he's like dial it up so i dial it up he's on my phone and he's like hello this is the uh, Jane from the fbi <laughs> He's just like he's screaming at this voicemail, and he's like, he's like, "You got to act in it with the Buick car. We got to do the investigation. Got to be an interview. You call him back. What's the number?" And I tell him the number, and he like spits it at the guy, like really angry. He slams the phone down. He's like, "He will call you back now." I'm like, no, he won't. I'm never gonna get a call back. I gotta go stake this guy out to get an interview. We ended up getting on the neighbor base, getting NCIS involved, and I sat on this dude's hood and waited for him to show up. And I'm like, "Will you just give me a statement about what happened, dude?" Like, I don't care. Yeah, you're so weird. He's like, "Who's the Chinese guy that called me?" <laughs> I was like, oh, that's my friend Lou. You're lucky he's not here. <laughs> yeah, super dangerous. He was a he was like a world class ta- taekwondo fighter too. Oh so, wow, awesome, awesome dude. He was he was just like like not everybody has like a training agent that doesn't train you anything but is like a stand up comic.
2: Yeah, and like
1: he he was like a complete like everything he said was hilarious and I think he knew it was hilarious but he never <laughs> like deadpanned it. At one point, I'm like, Lou, I heard somebody said uh, you kicked that uh, kicked some guy's ball off. Did you kick somebody's ball off when you were fighting? And he was like. He's like, no, I, everyone always say that. I only kick half his ball off.
2: <laughs> I'm like, you kicked off half really- of his ball.
1: What is that about? I'm like, what happened to the other half? He's like, I think it's still there. I mean, like he was a sparring <laughs> part. He felt really bad about it too. It was like, but he would just like deadpan it. He would be like, no, uh, I didn't do that. But then uh, later on, he'd be like, he'd be like, yeah, but I really did do it. <laughs> he would tell <laughs> me later, like, dude. Just walking around the- dropping bombs like that on me. Oh anyway. Man. Yeah. Most most feds. Not so bad. Enough of them are bad that we had to probably put them somewhere else. But. Gosh,
2: yes, man. There's just I just remember thinking, like, even as early in the academy, like looking around the room, being like, I know so many cops that would like be like way better at this job than all of you people. And, yeah, every uh, cop. Every, uh, and and like we'd have so much fun. We would be epic. But all we'd be in here being like, they're paying us to do this, right? Right. And so like, so my first training officer when I was a cop. My first day. Uh, so it's like, um, I thought like this, is like TV show, right? First thing we do is we stop a guy. He's He's a, he's behind the uh, abandoned house. And he's like, alright oh, we're going to test your field interview skills. So I get out and he's just like, like some crackhead and uh, he's taking a leak behind the house. And, he, and I'm like, Hey, you got some ID? He's like, yeah, yeah, here we go. He hands it off to my, uh, my training agent or training officer. And he's like, the guy goes, really? And he hands me the driver's license. Ronald McDonald. That was his name. So yes. I got I get Ronald McDonald's, my first my first field interview. And that's then uh, he drives me later on into this, uh, like, you know, trying to get me lost, completely disoriented. We walk into a, a row house and he doesn't knock on the door. And I'm like, I don't think I'm supposed to do that. But I'm just going to go in, right? We go in, there's a dude that's just sitting there like all black and he's got a giant python cage sitting in his <laughs> living room. <laughs> and, and he goes, and my training officer goes like, we're here in time for the feeding. <laughs> yeah you made it so they drop a rat and python does its thing we watch it and <laughs> i'm just he's like, doing like training day on you the other dude drops out of the room without me noticing it and then he comes back in and he's putting his uniform shirt back on because he was on our shift i was like oh this is what happens to rats i get it now <laughs> uh, that's so that's wild that's First so day, funny and it was awesome i was like this is I guess because I didn't lose it. They were like, all right, you're probably good.
1: That's it. Right. Like uh, they (laughs) want to try you out and see how it
2: goes.
1: (laughs) I, I got on a, um, I I went back, we were doing, we had a, uh, pilot gets sick or something and he couldn't fly for one of our SOG missions. So he's, he didn't go up and we needed aerial for like following this drug subject, whatever it was. And we're out in like Manassas or something. And I drive back to the hangar and I don't remember what the heck I was doing. Like we lost some gear or like I was bringing some other gear out. We were going to try. We had enough guys like holding them tight. So I get in there and the pilot comes up to me and he's like, Hey, I can't fly. Like, sorry, bro. Like I don't know what to do. But like Border Patrol will fly, like our CBP will fly for you. And they have the helicopter. And I was like, that's cool. Like, okay, are you going to get in the helicopter and go do your job? And he's like, no, my ears hurt. And and so I was like, oh, okay, well then what? And he's like, well, you could go fly with them. And I was like, all right, fine. So I asked my boss, I'm like, hey, can I go fly in the helicopter with uh, CBP? And he was like, are you just trying to get out of doing work? And I'm like, no, I'm going to go do work. I'm going to go fly and do work in a helicopter. And he was like, all right, don't make this a regular thing. Why are the pilots not flying? And I'm like, dude, I don't know. I don't you your thing they have the so sweetest I go, I,
2: gig in the fbi like yeah they have
1: the sweetest gig in the fbi they hang out in a freaking plane they fly for four hours and then they go and they tell us that uh, there's too many clouds or there's not enough clouds or there's the wind is 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 purple and they got to go home and so anyway like we would get some of the funniest uh i we had the fastest record where a pilot showed up and they're like ah this is 800 like cocking in uh 800 uh, to ground and we're like what's up uh 800 how you doing and they're like uh yeah the winds are pretty high we're gonna be uh, returning to base rtp and we're like oh well thanks for coming out yeah. I'm like, what? what just happened are you are we being punked you just flew over us to say hi and then you flew back so Precisely. they do do that sometimes
2: Precisely. But
1: anyway, this helicopter guy agrees to put me up, so I jump in the um, thing, and uh, the pilot's name is Jeff, and he's a former sheriff's department guy, so I knew he was pretty good dude. He's got paramedic patch, so we had something to talk about. And we get up there, and we fly around, and we're doing our thing, and it's going from like sun up to sun, or you know, regular sun to to night. And so we're going to switch over to IR for the for the uh, for the cams. And as we get ready to do that, like I got like a 14 second brief on how to run the thing. They're like, they're like, here's the joystick. This controls the camera, and like here's the zoom. And uh, like use your foot to do the, you know, the radio and good luck. Like you're going to nail it. And there's about 50 buttons. It's like the biggest Sega controller you've ever seen with <laughs> like 50 buttons on it. And they're like, it's completely mysterious to me. I don't even play video games. So I'm looking at this thing. It's like, yay big, you know. And I'm like, oh no. You know, like there's buns on the bottom. <laughs> there's all this stuff. It, like, you know, it's a multi million dollar scenario. And it's like sitting there, and I got this, and I know how to use the two joysticks. Like, that's all I know how to do. So I am not well prepared for this. So it starts getting dark. And I'm like, you guys got IR, right? Like, how do we flip? And he was like, I don't know, dude. I just fly the thing. I have no idea what that thing is about. And I go, yeah, he goes, just look, it might be marked. So I go, okay. So I'm like looking at this thing, like a monkey, like getting ready to hump a football. And I'm like, I don't understand how it works. And so there's all these, like, you know, like they're marked with things, but I don't know what all the things mean. There's like axes and rotation and all, you know, all this other stuff. And I'm like, oh no. So I go, ah, dude, I I don't know. Like, I I can't see anything. Like we may have to RTB. Like, I I don't know. And he goes, he, he goes, just hand it to me. So I go, okay. Well, he's he's flying the freaking helicopter. (laughs) I hand it to him, and he just goes, grab the stick. And I was like, oh, okay. So I grab one of the stick, you know, like they're just, it's the the straight, like gut check to see if you're, if you suck. And so I grab the stick and I just go like this, I go, and we just start tipping (laughs) up into the sky. Like we're going to fall out of the sky. And he just, he's like, not even looking up. Like he's, he's totally calm and I'm calm. Like he's not gonna let me die. I'm pretty sure. So Jeff just goes like, and he pushes it forward. He goes, he goes, not that. And I go, okay. And then I go, brrr, and I start nose diving, right? And I'm just driving down to the, and it's like, Oh no. And so he pulls it back. He goes somewhere between those two, <laughs> not even looking up. He's just like playing with this, with this like Sega controller and just screwing with me. And so then I kind of like figured out where the midpoint was and I'm not doing the, the pedals or whatever. So thank yeah. God for that. Like, because we would have died, um, <laughs> but I'm holding onto the stick and I'm like, Oh, okay. And he's like, we got some traffic coming in from the left. Like you need to, you need to like do a, you know, whatever, go that way or something. And I'm like, so I flew the helicopter for like five or six minutes. It's like six, $8 million helicopter for CBB, And, and and I didn't panic. You know, that was the, that was the real key. That's what he was trying Mm -hmm. to like, see what was going to happen. So I don't, I, I go and, And then uh, he he goes, I don't know, man. And he hands it back to me like we're we're nowhere. Like he just got to (laughs) five minutes. He had no idea. He just sat there and had me like fly around for a little bit. And he goes, by the way, you could fly with me whenever, man. Like you're you're pretty chill. And it's like, like, I think so too. And then I go, by the way, I found it. And he was like, where is it? I was like, it's the one that says IR on it. Beep. (laughs) So then we were able to follow the guy for a couple more, you know, another hour or two or something. But Uh... uh, classic stuff. Like that's the stuff that I wanted to sign up for. Yeah, I didn't sign up to find out that somebody was cutting their toenails in the car and that you can't leave toenails in the Ford Explorer. Like, that's not what I signed up for. That's, no, man.
2: No, not the, the mandatory, nobody... uh, mandatory diversity training or, you know, we oh, got to do the we're same, gonna, gonna same blood, that one soon. bloodborne pathogens. Uh, do you know that that, uh, that, I'm
1: pretty sure the bloodborne pathogen is actually wrong. There's a thing called the Ryan White Act, which was passed in 93 that every paramedic learns about. They can yeah. actually compel like pulling blood. And every year I get that question wrong. And I'm like, <laughs> Dude, if somebody bites you, you can take their blood. Like, I'm pretty sure. Now, they may have, Brian White may have, like, we'll find out later. Like, somebody will be in the comments. Like, Ryan White actually expired on this day. But, like, <laughs> maybe it did. Or, like, I remember going through paramedic training because one of my dudes got bit by a homeless guy. Like, he was doing something and he, like, reached across. Never reach across the stretcher. Mm-hmm. Rule number one. And he was a big old lanky tall dude. He was really nice. His first name was Mike. I can't remember his last name. But he reached across. He's, like, long arm. Dude just chomped into him. And he was like, <sighs> So he bit into my buddy. And then the first thing that the guy said is I've got AIDS and, uh, I, no, what did he say? He goes, I've got AIDS and, uh, and hep C or hep. Or maybe he just said hepatitis. He probably didn't know yeah. that there were different types of hepatitis. Like that doesn't seem like he, something that guy would do. I saw the yeah. guy. Like I saw the guy in the stretcher when they wheeled him in and I saw my buddy, like the guy holding his arm and they were, were like, what happened? They're like, he got bit. And I was like, Oh no. And then he went through the prophylactics for all that stuff. All the job. Uh, You've seen horrible. cops get that stuff. I'm sure.
2: Yeah. He just yeah, wrecks horrible. people. Yep. And the worst, the worst was the guys that, uh, they got popped for DUI because then one of their last, last chance agreement was, I don't even know what's that medication that makes you like brutally sick. If you ingest any sort of alcohol at all, cause no. You basically had to come into shift in front of your sergeant and take it, and it was like say, like you like, like oh because they were drinking on the job, be, no, just on their own. Like, and it was if you want to keep your job, you have to take this medication and do it every single day. And it, it basically means if you drink any alcohol, like you're going to get ill. So it's like negative reinforcement, I and uh, like. There, there's trace alcohol and like everything. So like a guy puts like vinaigrette on his salad and he's yeah. just even. <laughs> there was like it even became like, can I use Purell on my hands? Because if it touches my skin, I get sick. Oh no! Yes, yes. That's horrible. I've
1: never heard of that. Yeah. We had a. Um. I'll, I'll share one last funny story. So I have, I have a friend named Brett, and um, I just connected with him recently. He was one of the wildest people I've ever met, but I only saw him get like that one time because he was on a commander's agreement when we were in the air force that he would not drink for the entire training that we did. And he went through like 18, 20 months of training, no drinks squared away, funny, weird. He did a lot of funny stuff. He had the words, uh, your name tattooed on his right butt cheek. I believe it was his right butt cheek. And so he'd go up to girls at a bar and stuff like that. And he'd, be like, he'd be like, Hey ass. man, and he's like, Hey, you know, I got, I got your name tattooed on my ass. And it's like, and then he would make <laughs> weird bets and they would always lose. And then mm-hmm. you know, if, if I don't, you can slap me or you can, you know, kick me in the nuts or whatever but and then, and then he'd be like then he would have your name and so that was always like charming i guess yeah. anyway he's grown up thankfully because that was like a long long time ago that was over 10 years ago but anyway so he did this one night after he graduates from all the training and he came back and like he sat down at this like i don't know what it was it was like a bennigan's or something it doesn't really matter but it was like it was like yeah i was like <laughs> i think it was a bennigan's so we go into this like mm. restaurant i get called and they're like hey uh dude you, kyle you got to get down here you got to come get brett you gotta help us and I was like, okay. Brett was a grown-up. He was a former Marine and he had seen like a pretty good action, I think. And I I had been told that he should have been given a bronze star. All the guys that he saved got bronze stars, but he he was not awarded a bronze star. Okay. Sounded like a stud. Um, this the story is pretty intense, but I won't I won't get into that. So anyway, he's got this like pretty intense combat record. He's a pretty intense dude. He's my age, he's a grown man. Like I'm surrounded by like E3s, so they're all like 17, 18, 19, 20 years old. And then there's like this wild man who went into a Bennigan's and ordered one of everything on the menu and then started drinking and got rowdy, like full rowdy. Nobody could maintain him. And when I came in, he was like grabbing the waitress around the neck, like talking to her. Like he was lecturing her about something, but it was like a love hug, drunk danger zone kind of thing, you know? And I come up and he was like, that's, that's Seraphin. He's a combat mathematician. It's like, stop <laughs> I take the arm off the girl and i put it around me and i'm like go bring the bill like we'll get it done it was like 890 dollars for like one of everything it was some horrible amount of money it was so silly <laughs> the table's just full of like every plate she's like do you guys want boxes and we're like no we want to take our drunk friend home and yeah. uh I, and i and i was like dude what are you, what is wrong with, like no wonder you're not allowed to have a beer like you're out of control. You're full crazy. I love it. Like it was really funny. And my now wife was with me. Uh we were dating at the time. And she's like, I was like, hey, I'm going to shove him into one of these cars and then we'll go and like talk to the base guards and tell them we're taking him home and all this kind of stuff. Right. So we're going to get him g- get him tucked into his barracks. And um <laughs> so we tuck, I shove him into a car and I close the door and I'm like, don't stop for anything. Like drive straight to base and like let us get in front of you. And like I'll talk to the base guards. I'm a grown up and you guys are tards. And so we, I get back to the to my to uh, my girlfriend's station wagon, now wife, and and we we do like a U turn and come out, and he's standing in the middle of the parking lot with his pants around his ankles, and he's just <laughs> peeing into an empty parking spot. My <laughs> wife drives right up and like parking, and looking at him. She's from New York, so she's not easily phased, and she's looking at this dude who's just standing there bare ass, and he's just <laughs> pissing in the lot. And these poor kids have no idea what to do with him. And it's like, dear God, like some some guys just. Yeah. No, no boost for you, man. You got to sign the commander's it, agreement. You got to take the, If they had had that pill, he would have been on that pill. He would have oh. been a no PRL
2: guy for sure. Oh my no, gosh. gosh. Yeah. I was, I, I was, I was a designated driver for uh, for all of college. So I got to see that. For, and I just remember thinking like everybody who went to that party last night thinks they were the man. And I just was like Sunday, you know, as they're getting up at like 11, 12 o'clock and I'm, they were like, yeah, it was great. I don't remember anything. And I'm like, you know, you had all the goods on everybody. Potted plant, right? Like I I just, no, no, it really wasn't great. It wasn't great. No, it was awful. Actually. I've never had a
1: second drink and thought like, I'm really glad I had this. I bet at some point in your life you get to that. Well, maybe not. Some people don't get there, I guess, but Uh, I feel like that's a fill wisdom. It's like, yeah, kind of like the the old. It's like at some point, you start giving dad wisdom to your kids, and it's just like, mm. there's never a second drink that you're always going to feel great about having. <laughs> kind of like my dad told me, like <laughs> nothing good happens after midnight. I'm starting to roll that back. It's like eight, nine, eight, yeah. eight. So, uh, yeah, if it's uh, dark uh, outside,
2: it's probably not good. <laughs> <laughs> my, my new thing is going to be uh, if it's got an internet connection, you can't use it. Sorry, I can't. like that.
1: Dude, my, my parents' stove has an internet connection though, so. <sighs> You, yes. you might be setting your kids up for like a lifetime of Hot Pockets. Just saying, I want them to be no. weird. <laughs> I not want that. my
2: kids to be weird.
1: Yeah, Maybe. but that's a weird weird. Homeschool <laughs> weird's good. Go with that. Brainy no. weird. Scared of the internet is probably not the kind of weird.
2: <laughs> I, I, I remember because like live in remote area, like I was talking to this gal from South Dakota. It was a couple years ago. And she's like, it's the greatest thing ever. Because everybody thinks that like, you know, we have like six toes and, you know, we don't know anything. And she's like, so I forgot to play. Like, I just for- forgot to pay my internet. Oh no, my phone bill. She's like, I forgot to my pay my phone bill. So I called them up and they're like, Yeah, you gotta owe this fee, this fee. She's like, I live in South Dakota. We don't have internet. And they just wave it.
1: Yeah, man. It's a compelling argument. Poor
2: SOBs, they don't have anything.
1: That's right. She <laughs> can't afford $35 for that. That's good. I like that. I'm gonna start claiming a lot of ignorance. I'm gonna have to change my voice up. Mm-hmm. We'll get out of it. All right. Um, we could probably rattle this all day long, but we'll do it another time and we'll probably bring Garrett in. And also, I could see Phil probably has to uh use the restroom, so he can't leave us here hanging. We don't want to <laughs> leave producer Phil.
0: <laughs> I would just it's walk away if I needed to go that bad. Yeah. No, you're good. Just
1: use you just use the sofa.
2: Phil, you're welcome for fulfilling your lifetime dream of producing a mediocre <laughs> to poor podcast.
0: No, we got at least one shout out from uh PB Farmer saying producer Phil is good at his job. No other comments though. Maybe next time we'll get some
2: live <laughs> should shut down after
1: that. It, yeah. Well, my so uh, <laughs> Joe Puglisi who's one of my uh I probably brushed his name. Sorry, Joe. Um but he's one of my buddies from from WFO actually said something. He was laughing about the playing cards <laughs> because he refers to all FBI training as Disneyland and it's hard to argue with that. He's probably right. So Mm -hmm. anyway. um, Yeah. Thanks for anybody who listened. Uh, Give us all your mediocre comments, sarcastic remarks. We'll take them and uh, somebody will answer them. Potentially Phil, maybe Steve. And if you're not following Steve's, uh, Steve's handle on truth, please do. Cause um, he has snarky remarks for me. keeps me laughing. Uh, There There it is. It's somewhere on there. (laughs) Thanks for watching y'all. And I hope everybody has a good evening. We'll do it again, and we'll have more structure. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Adios. Thanks for listening to The Kyle Seraphin Show. Be sure to follow him on Twitter and Truth at Kyle Seraphin.